0: Welcome to Darren Daily On Demand, your most trusted resource to help you become better every day. Today, we have a special summer episode of the podcast for you. As we embrace the warm days and longer evenings, it's easy to slip into the dog days of summer when productivity tends to take a nosedive. In this Supercharge Your Summer episode, we compiled a 12-part series into one episode for easy listening on the go. It's filled with powerful strategies to help you and your team beat the summer doldrums and keep your momentum soaring in the final days of summer. Now here's your success mentor, Darren Hardy. So today we're going to talk about murder. A little while back, I was talking to an alumnus of our business masterclass, a guy named David. So David runs a mid-level company with a team of about 200 people. And towards the end of last year, David was all distraught. And I was surprised because I had talked with him mid that year and he and his team were on fire. They had been crushing it. Everybody in the company was firing on all cylinders. Every metric was in the green. They were way ahead of all projections and on the path to far surpassing their annual goals. He had at that point what every organization yearns for, whether it be in business or sports or politics or otherwise, it is that elusive, seemingly magical and all-powering powerful force called momentum or more affectionately known as Big Mo. So I asked him, David, who killed your Mo? So, after talking through it a bit, which was more of a therapy session in actuality, we looked through all his vital metrics. And there is where we found the clue. We clearly saw who done it. And it wasn't Colonel Mustard, Miss Scarlett, nor Professor Plum. It was Dun da Dun da The murderer was the dog. The dog days of summer is what murdered his Mo. What is known as the summer doldrums brought his mo, and the awesome stride that they were on to a screeching halt, or let's just say a slumber, one that when they finally awoke from, it was way too late to recover from. They had fallen too far behind and had missed their end of year goals by a long shot. So instead of the jubilant and joyful celebration of a New Year's Eve party, their end of year quote unquote party felt more like a funeral. The funer- funeral for their once beloved mo. The dog days of summer is a real phenomenon that affects every human spirit. Dictionary.com says this phenomenon occurs during the period that Cyrus, the dog star, rises at the same time as the sun. The dog has been let out. Dictionary.com goes on to say that this is a period marked by lethargy, inactivity, and indolence. Seriously, it's written right in the dictionary, a period marked by lethargy, inactivity, and indolence. So what does this cause? Well, American Express Open Forum did an extensive research project that documented during the dog days of summer, workplace productivity plummets a full 20%. 20! Now, you have to understand the ramifications of that number. That number compounds across your entire team. Think about my friend, David, who has 200 team members. If one person's productivity and their contribution to the team drops 20%, And so does the next person's and the next person's, it becomes a chain reaction. Well, you might know it as a compound effect that viciously and brutally, mercilessly murders your Mo. On top of that horrifying statistic are these. Employee attendance drops by 19%. This of course breaks the rhythmic consistency chain. And then projects take on average 13% longer. The same projects worked on by the same number of people at another time of the year, during the summer takes 13% longer. Now, check this out. As a business, you are not paying 20% less for people to produce 20% less. You are still paying 100%. And you are not paying 19% fewer workdays you are paying for all of them. And you are not getting a 13% discount on projects that took longer than they should. You are paying extra for that extra time those projects are taking. If that doesn't get you all riled up, Let me add these harsh reality stats. This will freak you out and your HR director and your CFO. During the summer months, lunch hours increase 2.6 times. Personal shopping during work hours increases 200%. Planning personal trips increases 130%. Oh, and get this, searching for another job while on your job increases 120%. How's that for a stab and then twist in the heart? We're gonna prevent the death of your Mo. You, me, and hopefully your whole team, all those that you need to have stay active and productive and engaged to achieve your big, hairy, and audacious goals for the year, together we will adventure through a 10-step plan. And in doing so, not only will you prevent the death of your precious Mo, but it will give you a huge advantage over your competition. Because here's the deal, like it or not, the dog will be running amok through the teams and offices of your competition, like a murderous, jowl-frothing mad dog. But not yours, not now. To get you ready, I've prepared a guidebook that we will use as we step through each of the 10 steps. The first step in this process is to get every member of your team, that includes not only the people in your office, but all the vendors that you rely on, the suppliers, any of your joint venture partners. If you have key clients and you need their teams to stay engaged, during the summer as well, and all those in what is called your fortress of support. All those people you need support from and their productivity in order to achieve your goals. These are family members, close friends, accountability partners, maybe mentors, coaches, spiritual advisors, mastermind group attendees. So you're gonna wanna get them all mentally and emotionally and energetically engaged to keep your Mo going. So be sure to ask them to join you through this 10 part adventure. I already told you in the introduction about how my friend David and his 200 person team was on fire mid-year, way ahead of all their vital metric projections, and yet ended up missing their annual goals by a long shot. So how, how is that possible? Well, to explain, let's make sure that we all understand the magical force of momentum. This way you'll also understand how tragic it is when it dies. Okay, so I want you to imagine a big steam locomotive. Now you have to go way back to the early 1900s, you know, those giant, They were called iron horses of yesteryear, the 250 ton, 10,000 horsepower kind. To get one of those bad boys going, it takes a massive amount of steam energy just to get the iron horse off a dead stop and simply move two inches forward, massive amount of energy. But now, once you get that iron locomotive going and it settles into what's called a consistent rhythm, it breaks into that elusive force known as momentum. And in that mode, it becomes nearly unstoppable. You could set a concrete steel reinforced wall on the tracks in front of it and it will blow through it as if it were paper. And once in momentum, it requires a lot less energy actually to keep it traveling at a high speed than all the energy it took just to get it off a dead stop. Now, if that locomotive after breaking into momentum slows down and comes to a stop, it'll require that you once again have to stoke it with that massive amount of energy just to get it back to where it was previously. And you would have lost all that progress and all that time. The total loss is massive. That is what is called the compound effect of having lost momentum in the first place. So when I helped David look back at his vital metrics and performance dashboards, it wasn't just the drop in sales during the summer months. This is important to understand but it was the absolute collapse of the emotional momentum that his team experienced. The dog days of summer placed his team in an energetic coma as far as focus and productive output was concerned. They were still showing up at the office. They were still moving papers around and having meetings, but not the productive output that's typical at other other times of the year. What's interesting is when I asked if he felt it at the time that his team was slowing down, he said, no. And, and this is true of, most organizations because those good summer vibrations gets everyone under its voodoo effect. Once the summer was over, it took 30 to 45 days to regain the full engagement and focus by his team coming out of the dog day. So, now we're talking November just to regain the stride that they were on back in May, essentially costing him half a year's worth of productivity. Wow, right? I mean, half a year's productivity I thought, is that really possible? Is it really possible that the seemingly brief summer lull can actually cost an organization half its annual productivity and an individual half their personal progress on their goals? And the answer is yes. And this is proven on a macro scale as well. It's proven on Wall Street and the entire global marketplace. Over the past 50 years, the vast majority of annual gains logged by the Dow Jones Industrial Average has occurred during the six months between November and April. The May through October period has actually produced a net decline. And this trend has been even more pronounced over the last few years. This is such a known phenomenon, a phenomenon in the trading marketplace that another adage has gained popularity, which is sell in May and go away. They're literally saying, give up and bet against the entire economy being productive for half the year. Nuts, right? This is a serious psychological and behavioral phenomenon. And I have to confess, I love it when I discover these. These are those arbitrage opportunities, leveraged advantages for the smart achiever. Think about it, if most people, most businesses are only able to sustain productive momentum for six months out of 12, hey, even if it's nine months out of 12, The loss of momentum for any period of time is a complete collapse of momentum entirely. So if you can implement strategies to keep momentum, keep production stable during those months, man, that would give you a huge advantage over your competitors and your ability to achieve your big, hairy, and audacious goals. So when everyone else is wiping tears from their eyes, having failed on their goals once again at the end of December, You are partying like it's 1999 or something like that. What I want you to do is get a baseline on your vital metrics. If you're a business, pull your core KPIs or what I call vital metrics for each of the four quarters of the year. If you can collect them for the past few years, do so. And take a look, how has quarter three been by comparison to the other quarters of the year? Better or worse, at least you know your numbers and what numbers you want to beat. If you are an individual, you have vital metrics too. Whatever vital metrics are associated with your job role, take a look at what you have been doing during quarter one and quarter two of this year so far. You'll at least know your numbers and what you want to beat, or at least minimum stay on par with. Even outside of your job role, what are your vital metrics? The number of workout days, or the number of healthy eating days, or the number of steps that you're taking per day, the number of nights, home for dinner with the family, whatever you deemed your vital behavior metrics, get your baseline. So in the worksheet, I walk you through this process. Having these numbers at the start of your adventure will be important. Having everyone who is with you on this adventure have their numbers as we traverse through these 10 steps will be important. These will be the numbers to beat the dog. Welcome to The First Step. You can go back even as far as Homer in The Iliad, where he referred to Cyrus as Orion's dog rising, and he describes the star as being associated with disaster. Well, I'd say certainly a disaster to your productivity as evidence of what happened to David's business in the lead-up that I explained to you at the start of this adventure. Now, these are not just ancient Greek beliefs about a dog star. It is a phenomenon measured over decades across an entire global financial market. In fact, it was financial experts and commentators that coined the phrase, the summer doldrums, to describe the period of time associated with low volume and poor performance in the financial markets. So having studied this phenomenon myself for many years, trying to find these advantages over my competitors, Over the next 10 workdays, I will share with you 10 strategies to keep your mo stoked and avoid that summer lag for you and your entire team or all those that you need to stay productive over the summer months. Hey, if you only implement half of these that I will give you, you will leapfrog your competition over the next few months and it will significantly help you crush your end of year goals. So if this sounds like something you'd like to do, hang on. This is going to be A joyous ride. If not, you can hang 10 right on out. Now, if you haven't downloaded the following guide that I have below, be sure to do do so. This will give you the extra guidance that you need to assist you along our 10 point adventure. And this will become your competition summer SmackDown action plan as we go. Okay, here we go. Make sure that you have your worksheet ready. I think this first strategy is going to surprise you, particularly after what I have outlined for you. So, are you ready? You sure? Okay. Let's kick this off doggy style. Step number one, go on vacation. Yep, come on, man, it's summer and you're human and you've got this one life to live. So live it, man, and maybe more importantly, well, to the productivity-obsessed person like me, understand that vacation, time to rest, time to replenish, time to rejuvenate and revitalize are essential for our human system to operate at its highest level of productivity and performance. So I'm asking you to go on vacation so that you could be more productive and that you can operate at higher performance. Just as the most finely uh, engineered Formula One race car needs to come in for pit stops to refill its gas, replenish its fluids and refresh its tires, so do the rest of us. But sadly, based on the way our, and this is probably mostly American culture has evolved, the need for recovery is often viewed as evidence of weakness rather than an integral aspect of growth and sustained performance. I mean, hey, I know this personally as this was what was taught in my household as well. But the reality is if we relentlessly spend our energy without sufficient recovery, we become mental, emotional, and spiritual flatliners. We slowly but undeniably wear down and become ineffective and unproductive, no matter how much you continue to run around looking busy and quote unquote productive. And if you don't believe me, then let's talk about science. During the 1960s, Russian scientists resurrected a concept written in training manuals for Greek athletes in 200 AD. So this is, this is not new information. And they applied it to their Olympic athletes with stunning results. The formulas involved what's called work rest ratios. The studies concluded that following a period of intense activity, the body must replenish fundamental biochemical sources of energy. It's called compensation. The more activity, the more compensation or rest is needed. When we don't get the rest and recovery that we need, then the long-term toxins build up inside of us, the frenetic energy inside our head, if you're a knowledge worker. With overtraining or overworking, we wear down, we burn out, and we eventually collapse or get very sick. So let me be clear here for these high-achieving minded people who have been conditioned by this american culture imprinting about working hard and grinding it all the time and not taking any rest i am not arguing that you need to take a vacation to better enjoy life or to find your bliss or to have life balance no i'm telling you you need to take a vacation and get some rest and recovery as an important component of hardcore achievement and productivity but we have a real problem particularly here in the united states the u.s has the lowest number of days off in the entire developed world. We are the only industrialized country that does not mandate vacation days and have 25% of our workers receive none of them at all. Last year, the number of voluntarily unused vacation days in the U.S. reached a 40-year high, totaling 169 million unused days. More than half of Americans, 56%, 135 million people, have not taken a vacation in a year or more. The main culprit, America's workaholic, culture. Just hear that word, workaholic. That means not good. Like work, good. Holic, not good. It is not that Americans do not want a vacation. It is that they are afraid to take one. It's true. Currently, on average, each U.S. worker fails to use about five paid vacation days a year, mainly because they feel guilty about it, drag their feet, they struggle to schedule time off, Wait till the last minute. They fear looking like a slacker. They're worried about what everybody else thinks about them. Then those that do pack a bag, more than 76% have guilt about it while on vacation, and then continue to check in with the office, thus never getting the mental and psych- psychological revival that they need. Well, what's wrong with all of that, you ask? Everyone is doing it. That's what makes America number one in the world. You're right, America is number one. Number one in depression and mental health problems. Americans are experiencing burnout, reduced productivity, diminished creativity, failed relationships, stress, and stress-related ailments such as depression, heart disease, stomach ul- ulcers at record levels. Our entrenched puritanical conditioning, being valued on how hard we're working, fear of being replaced or left behind in our addiction to always being busy are actually not only destroying our mental and physical health, but it's destroying our actual intended and desired productivity. This is especially true in our new global economy where our advantage in future is as knowledge workers, not laborers. Our future, your future lies between your ears, your mind and your ability to think creatively, innovatively and productively. And when you are working 80 hours a week, your mind gets cluttered and stale like a pressure cooker. If you don't give your mind some time to clear some of the steam out, it will boil over causing the ailments that I just mentioned and loss of effectiveness and real productivity. America's work martyrs are not more successful. In fact, it turns out the statistics are are proving just the opposite. To perform, you have to feel fresh and energized. That's part of performance. It is not a good strategy to steal time away from your recovery time. Recovery is essential to operating at the level of your best self. So if you want to increase your productivity, go on vacation or more to the point, plan your play. Schedule your summer fun. Utilize the great weather, the long days, the outdoor concerts, the backyard backyard cookouts to get your R&R that you need so that you can have a full tank of what you need when you are back at the office going at full speed. Leaders, hear me now. You have to insist that your team members also plan their play. You want them at optimal performance levels as well when they're in the office. It's the leader who sets the tone and sets the demands and expectations that you have of your team. You have to send a clear message that you want them to take productive time off. Your insistence will give them the psychological relief to not only have guilt or fear free replenishing time, but it is the fear that is preventing them from fully resting and revitalizing to begin with. This is a big tip leaders. I hope that you heard me there. The problem with getting the R&R you need is it doesn't get scheduled. You put it off, you excuse the fact that you're too busy right now and the stress burnout and the sunshine temptress outside the windows only makes you more resentful. So what happens is most people just downshift from fifth gear that you need them operating at high performance down to third and sometimes even down to second. They feel more comfortable kidding themselves that they're working, still putting the time in at the office. Sure, they're still roving around the office, pushing papers and going to meetings and so forth, but they're doing it at quarter speed and getting very little of anything that actually matters done. So plan your play and plan it now. Make sure that each member of your team does it now. Sit together, pull out your calendars and discuss and disclose when each member is taking their necessary time off. Okay, so do step one today. If you haven't blocked out your calendar, submitted your vacation time, bought your tickets, booked your hotel, do it today. Force yourself off. All right, welcome back. Are you ready for step two? And as we've talked about, this is a real phenomenon that affects every human spirit. And since I discovered this, I made a study of it. I found out that this phenomenon is completely common, but I'd say it's actually more like an epidemic, one that people are completely unaware of. Oh, most people know that the summer months are a bit slower, that clients are harder to get a hold of, that team members are a tad more lackadaisical as the bright sun shines outside the windows. But I promise you, most people, business leaders included, probably yourself included, myself previously included, have no idea the productivity momentum crushing effect the summer doldrums can have on your goals, on your dreams, and on your ambitions. But it's summer, you screech. It's time for camping and boating and jet skiing and fishing and traveling and vacationing and picnicking and barbecuing and beaching and sunbathing. Look, I know, I get it. I'm human too. It's a grand time of the year. That is not up for debate. I love summer just like the next guy or gal in the canoe. (laughs) That's also why we are doing this special series. I wanna show you how to get more summer fun time, meaning less time at the office under the fluorescent lights and still, keep your productive momentum, if not actually produce more than at any other time of the year. So how does that sound? More fun, less work, more production. You interested? Okay. The big problem here is that the downshifting takes place mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and physically. The dog star's good summer vibrations are bad for our productive mojo. It's, it's almost like voodoo. Most people don't even know that they're distracted more and less engaged in their work. So here's what you need to do. You need to teach inside your office and what you need to reinforce in behavior. Instead of having five gears, have a switch. And with that switch, you are either fully on or you are fully off. When you're at work doing your work, be on. And I mean fully on. And when you are not at work doing your work, hear me now, be off be fully off. Jim Rowling used to explain, during the summer, when it's warm and sunny outside, I'd be in my office feeling guilty that I wasn't taking my family to the beach. Then when I finally took my family to the beach, I sat on the beach thinking about the office. He said, I wasn't any good at the office or at the beach. He taught, I had to learn that when you're at the office, be at the office and don't be thinking about the beach. And then when you're at the beach, Be fully at the beach. See, you can't do that unless you know that you have already scheduled your time off. It gives you the mental and emotional peace to fully invest yourself during office time and during off time. So that is your assignment for today. Yesterday, you scheduled your vacation time, whatever that is, a week, two, 10 days, five, whatever, but a block of completely off the grid, no checking in with the office, complete rest and recovery. You will be much better for your team if you fully rejuvenate and not keep your brain partially connected to the grid and never replenish yourself. So now, I'm suggesting that you schedule in all those other summer fun activities. You know, the, the beach days, the outdoor concerts, the hikes, the picnics, the backyard barbecues, and the pool parties. Once you have them scheduled, now you can stop thinking about them at work. It will literally release you to be fully focused during the time that it is time to work. And leaders, hear me here. It is the guilt of not taking time off, denying their families, wanting to be elsewhere, but feeling too afraid of what people will think, their reputation, the security of their job that has them just downshift and end up not being very productive at work anyway and resentful that they're not taking time off. If you not only allow them, but you push them to schedule their time off and celebrate them for doing so, they will then refuel their jets as you need them to. And then during the summer months when they are working, they will work at full capacity. In fact, probably even greater capacity since they will have some, some guilt, something guilt-free to look forward to. And they have to then compress their productivity into short bursts and short windows when they're at the office. I recommend that you now not only encourage it, but you enforce it the best that you can. Your reinforced permission will go a long way. Okay, welcome back. Let's begin step three in beating the dog days of summer. So before we step further, let me remind you of the strong current that you are fighting against. The dog is strong and mighty. The dog stars summer lethargy kills you and your team's productivity by a full 20%, which compounded amongst your team is devastating. What I have been teaching you so far is you cannot fight this force with force. I have been teaching you what is known as Aikido in martial arts, and that is how to take this opposing force instead of fighting against it. Use this force for your productive power. The reason why the dog dominates your office is that you don't work with the summer vibrations. You have to allow, no, you have to use the summer to drive focus, to drive engagement and drive high productivity in compressed periods of time for the benefit and the reward of being able to summer. But if you just try to fight force with force, continue to work as normal, and not ever feel those good, good, good vibrations, then that is when downshifting happens. Projects take longer, lunch breaks get longer, and personal shopping, internet, and social media browsing become your team's escape hatch. So step number three to make sure that you work with the dog star and not against it, and to reinforce step one and two, number three is this, fully unplug. When you leave the office, cut the proverbial cord. You cannot get into a mental, emotional, and psychological rejuvenating REM state unless you fully disconnect. Look, even if you just quickly check your email while standing in line, waiting for your wife to come out of the dressing room at the mall, or standing in your kitchen, you are immediately transported, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, back to the office and its stresses and anxieties and pressures rebuild in your frenetic system. Do not kid yourself that you could just sneak a peek for a second and it won't disturb your rest or time off. It absolutely does. And then you have to begin the cycle of recovery all over again. Speaking of kids, get your kids to fully unplug with you and the family as a whole. This is a team member Julie and her kids dropping their phone into the basket before family night starts. The look on their faces shows how much they love that. (laughs) This is why most people never recharge. Even if they are so-called taking time off, they aren't really. This is why most people feel overwhelmed, overstressed, perpetually exhausted, even when in reality, they aren't really doing much more at the office than anyone else has in the past. In fact, here's the stark reality. Leisure time has grown significantly over the last 50 years. We have more time off than at any time in human history. I know it doesn't feel like it, and that's the point. Because you keep jumping in and out of the office, mentally, all day long, even during your so-called leisure time. This keeps you from truly ever getting your brain off the grid. And it's you doing it to yourself. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put an autoresponder on your email and let everyone know that you're not available at all. And to recontact you at the date that you will be back on, if their message is still important, then. That last part is a huge tip. The autoresponder instruction will prevent you from having hundreds of emails to come back to, which makes going on vacation horrible, right? When you do get back, what you do is you just auto-delete every message that came in during your time off. As your message, your autoresponder message indicated that you would. You will be surprised how few messages come in after the time that you're back concerning issues issues that happened when you were gone. Miraculously, somehow, most things just took care of themselves. Leaders here, insist that your team members abide by this practice as well. Allow them to post an autoresponder with a request to have any message that is sent to them be resent at a certain date when they're back. That will give them the unplugged mental peace that you want them to have and to be sure that they don't come back to a pile of email that takes two or three days just to get back to zero. That is, and most of those emails would be completely unnecessary and mostly now obsolete. And they would have spent another week digging out of it. That would be a double whammy of productivity loss. You can avoid all of that with the strategy that I just gave you. Here is the standard unplugged autoresponder any member of my team activates when they're taking time off. I suggest standardizing something like that as well. I know that this is hard. I know that you've been blowing it on this discipline, but take the unplugged challenge. When you end the day, I want you to unplug fully. Nothing life-threatening happens in off business hours that can't wait until morning. You're always just inventing that inside your head. It is always a factor of fear. But you continue, if you continue to check, your mind, your body, your creativity, and your productivity is waning. When you take time off, I want you to unplug fully, make sure that you have planned and set your team up, that you have the coverage, of course, then bye-bye. We don't wanna hear from you until you're back on. On our team, if we hear from you while you're on vacation, that's a penalty. You will have to do burpees if we hear from you while you're on vacation. We need you to rest, recover, and come back with a full tank to kick ass and operate at high performance when you're on. Hello and welcome back. So hopefully you're already feeling better about your summertime focus and fun. As we adjust ourselves to the rhythms of the season to work with them instead of fighting against them, as the laws of nature and the imprinting of our human condition will overpower you every time. So to prevent the seasonal lethargy, resulting in a typical 20% drop in productivity, compounding into disaster and emotional malaise, So far, we've covered scheduling your vacation to take the emotional guilt of your off time, off your brain plate, and allowing you to be fully on when you are on so that you could be fully off when you are off and when you are to actually, genuinely, completely unplug. This will relieve the adrenals and the emotional resistance from the tug and pull of summertime vibrations. For you, and if you are a good leader, You are promoting that and you are demonstrating that properly for your high-performance team. So now, number four is another adjustment you can make to acknowledge and leverage the natural rhythms of the season. Strategy number four is to create a special summer schedule. In fact, what's most important to employees and team members during the summer months is a flexible schedule. On a wide national survey, 41% of respondents said That was the most important thing to team members during the summer, a flexible schedule. So flexible schedule was followed by being able to come in early and leave early on Fridays. That was 28%. That's what the A-team member, Victoria, is doing here. She's cranking by 5 a.m. and then she's heading out for beach time fun at 3 p.m. Then the next was the company picnic at 11%. A picnic, who knew that, right? Although you could look at it the other way around, and I probably would, and see this the that nine out of ten people didn't pick the picnic, right? A team, they didn't pick the t- picnic, but that's just me. All right. Then lastly is a relaxed dress code at five percent. Although the dress code thingy, I would suggest is a bad idea. My suggestion is to make the on time frame the on time frame, the same as it always is. Just like Kat here from the A Team is here at her home office, but look. Uh, Not only does she look great, she also appears to be watching Darren Daly. Nice work, cat. Your dress and the environment around you informs your attitude and behavior. If people are waddling around in flip-flops and ripped Daisy Dukes, apparently those are back in, much to my chagrin, chances are they're not going to be fully in work-jamming mode. In fact, I read something in Psychological Science stressing the importance of not letting it get warmer inside the office during summer months. It explained how the room temperature inside the office should remain at the right temperature for working, which is 70 to 72 degrees, in order to keep everybody's psychological focus. And that's what we're trying to harness here, everybody's psychological focus, which is what we've been talking about. So speaking of being able to keep your psychological focus, tomorrow is a Big tip in being able to manage everybody, keeping their focus. In the summertime, these are by far the greatest focus, productivity, and mo killing saboteurs of all. And I bet you can't guess what they are. Okay, welcome back. I mentioned in our last session that I wanted to talk to you about what are some of the greatest saboteurs to our ability to keep our focus and stick to our on time at work. And I warned you that you love these little terrorists, but they are still destructive nonetheless. What are those saboteurs who are those little terrorists? Yeah, your children, the inmates have been freed from the prison or government subsidized daycare and are now running wild inside your house, getting into all sorts of unscheduled, unplanned and random shenanigans. One of the biggest challenges most workers face is juggling their kids and their kids' summer schedules during these summer months, when their typical built-in daycare that's called school is obsolete. Now their kids are out of school and they begin terrorizing their lives, requiring more time and attention from their parents. This is particularly challenging if you work from home, and now you have your kids all up in your grill all day, every day. That sign that says you're in a jam session? Like the one you see here with 18-member Brenda she puts up on her home office door here? Yeah, well, they mostly just ignore that entirely. There are just two to three inches of wood separating you from them. Knowing that you are only four or five feet away, that ain't stopping those relentless, unabashed terrorists. I mean, tykes. Just like it didn't stop 18-member Kylie Sun-Ledger here from attempting to tear down her jam session sign. You certainly can try, and you should try, and teach them your on and off boundaries and try to discourage them from interrupting, calling or texting you frequently throughout the day when you're at the office. But really the only way that you can uh, accomplish this is to make arrangements for your kids like daycare or summer camp. If they're old enough to watch themselves and will be at home and you work from home, then you might need to be the one to leave home and work elsewhere during your on times. Escape to the library, that's one of my favorite places, or work down at your local Starbucks. That's what a team member here, Britt, does very often. Rent somebody else's unused conference room. See if there's a WeWork in town. Check into a motel room nearby. Hey, thats I know that sounds weird, but that's what Maya Angelou used to do when she wanted to write her poetry. J.K. Rowling would check into a five-star hotel to get her work done out of the house. But really, any quiet room where they can't find you is good enough. Otherwise, it is a productive nightmare of constant and ceaseless distractions, always pulling you out of flow and in your jam session momentum. Now, I know that we hear that we don't negotiate with terrorists, but these, you just might. Let them know if they allow you to work without distraction, when you are on and when you are working, you will promise to be fully off work when you're taking them to the water park or to the beach. No cell phones, just family fun time. That might upend their evil plot to blow up your productive schedule. Oh, and then always live up to that promise. They will learn to respect these boundaries and you more if you do. And in the next session, we'll talk about your number one tool to keep yourself fully on when it's game time in the office. It's a biggie and I'll see you right back here for our next session. Hello and welcome to step six. Now, one of the biggest mistakes would-be achievers make during any time of the year is walking into their day with an empty calendar. Oh, sure, you have to-do lists and stacks of unfinished projects on your desk. But if you walk into your office without a set agenda for your day, the day will set your agenda for you. You end up the whipping boy or whipping girl to every email and text message and knock at the door and casual passing hallway or chit-chat conversation. The day runs you instead of you running the day. And for most people, this happens most every day. Instead of creating, you'll end up reacting. You are available to every passing fancy somebody has. If you were in a meeting or otherwise unavailable, all those passing fancies would just pass you by. But because you're not, they all land in your office, inbox, or mobile phone. Now, this is not just the outside world interrupting you because you are available. It is also your own mind. Since you are not in a meeting or otherwise contained by a blocked off, unavailable appointment, you are free to fall into every path of least resistance and have your attention derailed by every shiny object, email, YouTube video, and notification. The issue right here is the fatal mistake that talented, seemingly dedicated, and ambitious people make. You want to produce more. You want to achieve your goals. But in the absence of a set agenda, One designed around your vital priorities that are in alignment with your vital functions and your big three goals for the year and what's important to you and your family's future. You just spin. I call it the rocking horse syndrome. Oh, you're rocking hard all day, working yourself into a sweat, into a stress, overwhelm and exhaustion, but getting nowhere. It's movement without progress. It's rushing around without results. And it's activity without actual results of productivity. And it's the way most people spend their day most every day. You have to plan your day. Even if you don't have actual appointments, blocking timeouts to do important projects that have hard boundary walls where that's all you're doing that block period of time is crucial. So the number one tool to keep yourself fully on when it's game time in the office is your calendar and you determining what's on it and filling it up with your goals and objectives, even if that's scheduling the time to not be doing anything except thinking planning and reviewing. Knock at the door, are you available? Nope, I'm in a meeting with yourself. Thinking, planning. Jim Rohn taught me this, before you start your day, finish it on paper. Identify the needle moving vital priorities and schedule unmovable appointments on your calendar to get those things done, to move the needle of results. Structure your schedule like a college professor. As a college professor, your vital function is to teach your classes, right? Of course. That means that during those hours, which is 90% of your time, you're not available for outside appointments. You can't take a phone call or texts or, uh, or get distractions of any kind. You are in class. Then you have what are called set office hours. It is only during those periods where unplanned knocks at the door or emails or text messages or phone calls can be received. So this means your office hours aren't all of the hours that you're in the office. Just one or two that you will accept unscheduled office visits or distractions. Check out our VP of Ops, Brian here. That's having a well-planned and highly stacked calendar. If all you do is this one strategy, which is having a fully planned calendar on each day, where every on work hours are accounted for, even the windows where you plan for and allow interruptions called scheduled interruptions. If you actually worked on your vital priorities without interruptions, from external or internal distractions. All the hours that you are supposedly working, I promise you, you could actually work a lot fewer hours and produce a lot more than your current behavior and habit patterns are producing. Here is a key distinction. Prioritize output over hours. It is not the number of hours that you work, but what gets produced during each hour. Measure results outputted versus hours inputted. Did you get that? It's a good one. It's what you showed up for here today. So let me give it to you again. Measure results output versus hours inputted. And I suggest that you change this metric for your team too. Don't get clear on the number of hours that they will need to spend working during the summer schedule. Get clear on the number of results they need to produce during the summer timeframe. You are not paying for hours. You are paying for results, for output, for production. So make that the measured metric, not the hours. Here's why according to Gallup, the typical person works 50% of their capacity during any time of the year. The rest of the time just gets eaten up by chit chat and internet trolling and email and personal business and other distractions. You are literally paying 100% for their hours, yet getting only 50% of their effort. But if you measure the output instead of the hours, they're held to the metric that you're actually paying them for which is results. Did you catch that key point? I really hope so. And if they can produce those results in less time, good for them. Don't get hung up on time, only be hung up on results. And this is true for you as well. If you keep a focus on results, I promise you, you and your team can dramatically reduce the time it takes to produce those results. And this means more time for summertime fun and still increased results. Speaking of less time, Let's give you a three-day d- three weekend every weekend during the summer. How does that sound? In our next session, I will discuss how to do that. That's our next strategy, number seven. But today, I want you to decide how many office hours you're going to allow. Those are the hours where the outside world can have access to your time, energy, and attention. Hours where you're not in class, meaning you're not doing your vital functions and allowing outside parties to occupy your time. That's all email, text messages, knocks at the door, etc. Otherwise, I want you to stick to your agenda. Capish. Then you'll have more results to show for it and more time for that summertime fun. There's an age-old question, one that has been asked for almost, well, two decades now. Who let the dog sound? And the answer to that question from antiquity is summer. That's who let out the dog. But we've been working on how to not only contain the dog, but harness the dog and get it to actually pull you and your people faster with less effort, with more focus and more vigor to achieve your productivity goals and objectives that you have for Q3 of this year in actually less time. So in this next step, let's really compress more productivity into less time. This will not only allow you to hit all your productivity, vital metrics, but will also free up some summertime fun so that you can enjoy these. So let's talk about how to give you and your team a three-day weekend every weekend during the summer. How does that sound? Here's how. Instead of five eights, do four tens. If you're carving out the hours when you'll be fully on, so that you can be fully off when you're not, there's great power in compressing more intensity into fewer days. And remember, leaders, for most positions, you are paying for results, not for hours. Keep your priority where it matters. These aren't inmates doing time. These are high-producing achievers delivering results and moving the needle for your organization to achieve your mission. Here's why this is a productivity superpower. Once you get into flow, you know that state of flow when everything is in sync. Once you get into flow with your head and your heart fully immersed in the work, the craft, the art, it's more powerful to go deeper, go harder, go longer during those compressed hours and compressed days than it would be to stop and start spread out over more days. Now, these aren't just the 10 hours that you might be working now, where half or two thirds, if you're lucky, are eaten up by trivial, reactionary, busy work. I'm talking about 10 hours of scheduled, uninterrupted, head down, insanely productive hours. Hours spent on your vital functions, not the inane frivolous busy work that occupies most people's days. And spiritually and energetically, it is easier and more powerful to do four days hard when you know that you have three days totally uh, totally free and completely unencumbered. It is the ultimate in high intensity, Followed by rest and recovery, interval training that the elite among us do. And the ultimate in hard work and good reward dynamic of human motivation and performance. It is a powerful practice. You will even surprise yourself on how much you can get done in four tens fully focused. And you'll be surprised how awesome, fired up, and raring to go again you will feel after three solid days completely off the grid of having fun being with your family, enjoying your hobbies, and soaking up some of the summertime fun. So if you have the gumption and you utilize tips five and six before this, give this strategy a test drive this summer. Do it a few weeks of, do a few weeks of four tens. I promise you'll love it. And you might not do it during the rest of the year, but it is a great summertime adaption. Your family will love it too. So jumping off that idea, Let me toss this one on. Oh man, this one really rocks. If you wanna know how I get an amazing amount of production accomplished when everybody else is running themselves ragged, just trying to keep up with the pace of life, the strategy that I will share with you in the next session is that strategy. But I want you to be forewarned, it is not for the faint of heart. Only the really committed high achievers will be able to hang on tip number eight. Or as my philosophical father used to say, if you're gonna run with the big dogs, you can't pee like a puppy. So be ready for that in our next session. Okay, welcome back. If you're here, that means that you heard the warning about this not being for the faint of heart. You've evaluated your commitment to your goals and you decided that you wanted to run with the big dogs and you showed up here this morning. Okay, be ready. This is strategy number eight. So probably about once a month, Sometimes twice a month, if I really have to crank out some work, I do what I call a Monday jump start. This is where I will go to bed a bit earlier on Sunday night and get up about three or four in the morning and get a huge jump start on the week, just like A-Team Ambassador Megan is doing right here. For those four or five golden and miraculous hours when no one in the world is tugging on you, the house is quiet, the streets are empty, No emails are hammering your inbox. No text messages are coming in and pinging. The world is just still. Oh, man, there is just something special about the deafening quiet that really allows your mind to focus deeply and fully for a much longer period of time than normal. It is truly incredible. And here's the miraculous reward by 8 a.m. on Monday before most anyone has even started their day started their week, I've accomplished more than most anyone will accomplish all week long. Maybe more than they will accomplish in two weeks. That deeply concentrated effort applied during those still hours ahead of everybody else has some magical power. I'm trying to explain it, but some of it is unexplainable. You just have to try it. The amount of summertime fun this could buy you is truly incredible because you can get so much done during those four to five hours in that window of stillness that will allow you to cut out time elsewhere on your work calendar and reallocate it to your summertime fun calendar. Now, let's talk more about how to keep your whole team engaged, particularly during what could have been that summer lull. First, I wanna suggest that you teach them the strategies that we've covered thus far and allow them to leverage them to produce more in less time themselves. It's up to you to create an environment where productivity is the expectation, not time spent. Understand this as a leader. What gets honored and respected is not the one who shows up earliest and stays the latest, but the one who kicks ass and delivers results. And it is not the volume of trivial tasks completed, but the scale of vital priorities achieved. Change everybody's mindset. To those expectations as the leader it's up to you to set that standard make sure everybody's clear on what winning and success looks like meaning what results are expected and to focus the attention focus the praise focus the recognition on the right things which is results now with that in mind let's also keep in mind we're talking about human beings here and humans can easily fall into lulls, particularly when the bright sun is shining outside clients are on vacation, their kids are yanking on them, and everybody else around them has downshifted into second gear. One great way to keep humans engaged is to make work fun. To make it a game. That is what we will talk about in strategy number nine. So I will see you right back here for that. But before you go, tell me if you're going to go for a jog with the big dogs or not. And whether you're up for doing a Monday jumpstart by getting up at three or 4 a.m. Now remember, you gotta go to bed earlier. We're not talking about cutting out from your sleep time. We're just talking about going to bed earlier on Sunday night when you're not doing anything really important anyway, getting up at three or four o'clock in the morning after eight hours of sleep and cranking for those four to five hours before the world is rubbing sleep out of their eyes. Hello there and welcome back. So we're at step nine. This is what the ancient Greek and Roman astrology connected with heat, drought, lethargy, plagues, and madness. That's literally how they describe the dog days of summer. A condition that we see played out in our minds, in our spirit, and in our behavior as human beings every year during the 40 plus days during the peak of summer. Personal productivity drops by at least 20% which ripples throughout your team, vendors and suppliers, as well as client activity and engagement. The entire global marketplace proves a net decline during these periods as well. That is what you call a drought, what you call lethargy, what you call a plague of productivity and absolute and sheer madness. But not you, not your team, not anymore. Hopefully you have already started to implement these steps into your own behavior and practices and have them start instituting them throughout your team throughout your family and those that you rely on for sustained productivity to support and keep your focus on track with your goals. In this step, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about one of the greatest levers that you have in attempting to keep the monkey-brained-minded humans engaged, and that is to turn productive behavior into a game and make work fun. The old adage is true. If you can't beat it, join it, but at least direct it towards productive fun rather than distracted, trivial, and inane fun. Hey, look, nothing captivates the human attention and engagement like a game. It activates all sorts of human faculties, competition, reward, incentive, real-time evidence of progress, recognition, etc. This is why kids can spend countless hours losing a complete sense of time playing with their Xbox, PlayStation, or Wii. It is also why we love sports, board games, crossword puzzles, Sudoku, Angry Birds, and the like. Gaming stimulates all sorts of emotional and psychological motivations. It pumps the mojo drug into our veins called dopamine. People love it. And you can use that love and these motivational triggers to your productive advantage. And the best game mechanic trigger of all is creating competitions. Now, in the summer, attention spans are even shorter, so make your competitions short. Maybe one to two week stints. Of course, have competitions focused on core themes, initiatives, and core Production metrics, but give them fun twists and summer fun rewards that members of your team can enjoy together. Doubling as a triple threat benefit one, the team's full engagement, two, greater production on those core initiatives through competition, and three, team bonding activities as a reward. Rewards can be things like tickets for a small group to go to a baseball game or a sailing outing or An outdoor concert together or to a music festival or to a new restaurant that just opened up in town you get the point look just like you need to be sure that your kids have productive things to do during the summer or they are liable to get themselves in all sorts of hooligan activities or simply just waste their summer away you have to do the same with your team members in a sort of way you have to create ways to counteract the natural pools and temptations and rhythms of the summer season If you don't, it is just way too easy and the odds are devilishly against you that you and your team will fall prey to the disaster as it's described, the consequences of the dog. I'll give you a for instance. One year we did a warrior referral contest to see who could encourage the most people to attend an upcoming Insane Productivity Live and Unplugged event that we were doing. You might've seen some of our campaign photos. Last year we did the favorite Darren Daly hosted by one of our 18 members. The contest was who got the most comments, shares, and likes on their hosted Darren Daly. That was a smash hit. Recently, we did a copywriting contest. We all went through a copywriting course as our personal development for several weeks. Then each person was assigned a project and then the winner was anointed as a competition. The team enjoyed the challenge of the new and novel task for them and competing, razzing each other, and then celebrating the winner. Now, during July and August, We are also running a Just For Fun Summer Bucket List Challenge. If you and your team want to do something similar, you can download a link to get a copy of our bucket list below. Think about what kinds of competitions that you can organize for your team. Focused on key behaviors, vital functions, and key initiatives, but organized in a way that is more fun with scoring and a big reward. You'll be surprised how people will light up and bring their better, more capable, and far more engaged self to the competitive game board. And I saved one of the best productivity engagement levers for our last and final step. I'll see you right back here for step number 10. Hello there and congrats for making it through to step 10. That says something significant about you, your commitment to consistent growth, to improvement and to progress, and to your commitment as a leader An influencer of others to actively seek the tools and ideas and methods that will help give you and your team the advantage. The people whom you lead are lucky to have someone of such great stewardship. So number 10 is one of the best strategies to employ in keeping your team engaged. This is the one where you can employ me actually to keep you and your team operating at peak performance and to surge instead of lull through the summer. Strategy number 10 is to create growth groups. This is assembling your team into growth groups who can go on a learning journey together. Now, this is not just a a one-time event that can wear off as soon as the event concludes, but one that takes place over a sequenced period of time, keeping everybody engaged from one step to the next, stimulated and collaborating along the same training. It's best, in fact, if the topic is also reinforcing the focus and behavior that you want them to have in their personal productivity. One of the promises that I made to my CEO friend, David, is that I would open up a special summer class of Insane Productivity, so that he can gauge his and team right at the start when their emotional productivity was going to drop off like it did last year. He also pointed out wisely that it would be 100 times more effective to have the team engaged in a program led by somebody else other than himself. Now this is an important leadership point to understand. Look, as leaders, we all suffer from what is called the law of familiarity. You need to know that you are no longer expert or listened to by the people closest to you, particularly in your own office and particularly in your own home. It often requires what is called the out-of-town expert to come in, say what needs to be said before it will actually be heard by those people who have already got the law of familiarity with you and before it will be respected. It's an odd phenomenon, but it is a reality. I mean, hey, even Jesus needed to leave Nazareth before anybody would listen to him. The people in his own hometown were like, oh, don't listen to that, Jesus. He's crazy. I've known him since he was just a kid. But then he went just 14 miles out of town to the neighboring, the neighboring town called Capernaum K- and said the same crazy stuff. And those folks over there were like, oh, He's the Messiah. Yep, yeah, like it or not, that same phenomenon is happening inside your office. Your office is your own Nazareth and inside your home. Hey, it happens just the same to me. People beg my assistant to try to buy 10 minutes of my time for ridiculous amounts of bribes just to get my advice. But when I try to offer my advice to my team, for free, mind you, I mean, I'm paying for them to listen to me actually. Yeah, they barely listen. I, too, have to bring outside people, outside resources, outside training, which might even be inferior to what I have taught them already. But oddly enough, they hear it from an outside expert in ways that they will never hear it from me. I know that this is weird, but it is just how we work as humans. If you are a parent, you need to know what I am talking about. You have seen this dynamic played out with your own children. We all suffer from the law of familiarity. So that is one critical reason to engage your team with an external expert training and learning program while you're going through the summer months. Now, I wanna give you a few other keys right here, okay? Because these are really important to understanding how to stimulate learning groups and learning environments inside your office. Here's number one. You wanna provide the training in the environment where they have to apply it. You see, too often people leave their home or office, travel to a training event, then get themselves all pumped up, They come home, unpack their bags, and quickly fall right back into all their previous behavior and habit patterns. The inspiration and implementation need to take place in the same environment where you're learning it and now you're applying it. Key number two, the training can't be a one-and-done scenario. That is the problem with most training. You go to an event or you create an event, you get everybody fired up, tuned up, and just like stepping away from a warm bonfire on a cold night, all is well when everybody's huddled around together sharing stories and inspiring each other but as soon as you get up and start walking away from the cozy bonfire and walk into the cold dark night the warmth wears off and quickly you're left out there in the cold just as you were before the bonfire event training needs to be delivered over a sequenced period of time allowing for repeated interaction between inspiration new information and implementation then review now more information more attempts at implementation over and over and over again, over an extended sequence period of time. And this is an important one to remember. Jot this one down too. Success is only 10% learning knowledge and 90% activity knowledge, meaning 90% of your growth, success, and improvement is a result of learning by doing the thing that you are being taught, not by a book, a seminar, a blog, or podcast knowledge. In creating success, you can't just learn it intellectually. You will only really learn it when you have learned it excellently experientially. Now, the third and most important key is most often it is not about the knowledge at all. For for the most part, you already know what to do. You pretty much know exactly what to do in any area of your life that you want to improve. Put it this way. If you had to give instructions to somebody else, to a friend of yours on, let's say, how to improve your sales in three simple points, you'd know what to tell them. If you had to instruct them on how to be a better husband, uh, a better friend, to lose weight, to be a better leader, anything, the chances are you already know what to do. But the problem is you don't do those things. You don't need more knowledge training you need behavior training and behavior is only trained by doing something sequenced over intervals of time with group pressure competition collaboration and accountability so as an option for you if you're interested the class that i promised david and his team will be a special summer class of insane productivity it's up to you totally on you i'm just giving you the option it will instantly create a 12-week one module per week learning rhythm that you can engage with as a team. Focus specifically on the tools and methods to radically improving each person's productivity, right when you need them to focus most on those key behaviors. If you're already an Insane Alumni, you're welcome to join us by rinsing and repeating yourself. If you and or your team are not yet an Insane Productivity member, then this will be a personal invitation to become a member. An open invitation like this to insane productivity rarely comes up and typically sells out by private referral before it's ever even made public this is an invitation being extended for you since you're right here on our darren daily during this video series so that you can join this special summer class of insane productivity of course then you will have lifetime access to the program thereafter okay we'll just be going through it together during this sequence period of time just go to insaneproductivity.com forward slash summer for the details As an individual, this is the best thing that you could do to beat back the dog, to keep yourself engaged and get a huge advantage over your peers and your competitors. If you're a leader, this is the smartest thing that you could possibly do to not lose the elusive and all powerful force of momentum. You don't have to lose the equivalent of that half a year's productivity and progress. You don't have to have your annual goals end in that disaster as described for thousands of years and by Wall Street. This is what can keep everybody focused, energetically engaged, hammering their key functions and nailing their vital metrics, creating insane results, insanely fast and so that they can still enjoy the summertime fun that fills the air in your office anyway. That's just an option for you. If not this, I suggest that you organize some form of a growth group with all the mechanics, the way that I've described them inside the Insane Productivity Training Program, 12 weeks, sequence training that you can implement review discuss as a group week over week all focused specifically on improving the behaviors you want most personal productivity so regardless again if not this i suggest organizing something but if you're not sure what just use this it's already set up for you and it's the ultimate success training system anyway one that you can continue to use for a lifetime as i said my team and i go through it repeatedly and every time that we do we learn something new and different and it levels us up each and every time okay my job is done here mission accomplished i promise to give you and my friend dave 10 tips to avoid the disaster of the dog days of summer and to put you in a position to not lull and stall during the summer but rather surge through it by increasing your productivity and momentum i'm excited about what this might mean to you to your business and to your goals instead of the net decline suffered by the rest of the world during the summer doldrums you will be gaining huge strides on your competition the momentum that you will have going into the fourth quarter will make you uncatchable and unbeatable, and you will crush it and your goals for the year. Meanwhile, your competition, baffled and bewildered, will still be asking the age-old question. Who let the dogs out? Who let the Who let the To join the next class of Insane Productivity Darren mentioned in the episode, go to InsaneProductivity.com forward slash summer. That's InsaneProductivity.com forward slash summer.